We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. In this episode, we are going to be talking about positional rank finishes on a point per game basis versus positional ADP from FFPC leagues heading into the 2022 season. As you have probably gathered from the poor audio quality, I am traveling this week and without the nice setup I have at home. So we're going to have some poor audio quality. We are not going to have any sound drops, but we will get through this. I'm recording this on May 10th. Curtis and I will be getting together tomorrow night, May 11th, with an episode to come out on Friday. So, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking back some at 2022 this year, and the reason that I think this is useful is as we start getting into our best ball and redraft league contexts this year, thinking about how ADP performed last year, thinking about some of the players it missed on, any reason it might have missed on those players, and just kind of re-baselining ourselves to some extent with how ADP is able to do at predicting where a player will finish in the confines of their position. We have looked at this before on the site. ADP is fairly efficient. Um, in comparison to some other ways perhaps that you could go about uh, segmenting or sorting, filtering players as you head into the season. So the way that I pull together the data that we're looking at here, uh, very simple, just grab 2022 FFPC uh, one quarterback league ADP and then for each player calculated their PPR points per game that they scored in 2022. Now, the first thing that I did was calculate the R squared, the which is a measure of correlation between a player's positional ADP heading into 2022 and where they finished from a PPR point per game perspective. I'm going to pose a question to you, listener. Which position do you think drafters did the best job with? And where do you think we see the lowest correlation between positional ADP and point-per-game finish? 
Think about that for a second, because I think that it is important as you start thinking about draft strategies. So when I actually calculate that, and I look at top 24 quarterbacks, we will see that in comparison to the other positions, the relationship between preseason ADP, PPG, points per game rank is pretty weak, comes in at just 0.13. Whereas the rest of the positions all perform fairly similarly. If we look at the top 36 running backs, we get an R squared of 0.365. Top 48 wide receivers, 0.341. Top 18 tight ends, 0.363. So drafters did a decently similar job with running back, wide receiver, and tight end, but struggled with quarterback. Uh, now, one of the things that you can have happen here is you can have a couple of players that tend to really move the needle um, if they are way off, but we are not weighting things here in a way that if a player was one of the top at his position, it really missed that factors in more. This is just simply looking um, in totality at how drafters did with sorting players by ADP versus where they finish. Now, if we look at quarterback, the biggest miss last year was Trey Lance, um, who came in with a preseason ADP of a QB 12, finishes with a positional rank of 55. Of course, he's kind of an edge case there with the injury, but definitely an interesting case in that this was a pick i think where people were looking to kind of swing for the fences for some uh, to some degree trying to realize that upside but we've extenuating circumstances there so we remove him from the equation other players that drafters really missed on were matthew stafford justin herbert russell wilson uh zach wilson those were the players with the largest deltas. So Justin Herbert was going with an ADP of quarterback two, finishes with a positional rank of 17. And if we drill into Herbert's season a little bit, one of the first things that you'll see here is it wasn't really that terrible, though he finished as QB, uh, what did we say here? He finished as QB 17 in the context that I'm looking at. He was still number two in attempts, number two in completion percentage, number two in passing yards, eight in passing touchdowns. He just suffers due to not having the rushing upside of some of these other players, but was a QB one in 53% of weeks. If we think though about what he did in 2021, it was a little bit different. He was a QB1 in 65% of weeks. But I think this is a case where if you took Herbert 2, or if you, if you were viewing him as the second-best quarterback, even with the result, didn't drastically destroy your season given that he was going number 46 overall you do have best ball leagues factoring into this number. And we know that last year, quarterbacks were going pretty high in best ball leagues. 
and they are really going high in best ball leagues this year. And we would see why when we look at guys like Mahomes, who went three, finished two, Jackson went four, finished five, Murray went five. Wow, Kyler Murray went five, actually finished in at QB9. I'm getting a little off topic here, but I want to drill into Murray here just quickly. Um, looking at, he was a QB1 73% of the time with the injury he suffered toward the end of the year and how that kind of murkies the waters for 2023. That might be easy to lose sight of, but uh, that actually doesn't even line up with what my memory of him closing out the year was. I did not realize he finished quite as strongly as he did. Uh, he was only 23 in passing touchdowns. Of course, if we look at how he did as a rusher in 2022, uh, we'll see that he only added 418 yards and three rushing touchdowns. So Murray, um, he was all seven in EP per game among quarterbacks. Uh, anyway, I, anyways, I, 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 I digress here. If we if we look back, we continue to see like Joe Burrow had an ADP of sixth, finished fourth, uh, and then Jalen Hurts who at least in what I'm looking at here, finished as one. I think if you change a couple of settings, you might see him finishing at two. He had an ADP of seven. Um, other players that were missed on, Matthew Stafford went at 10, finishes with a 31 rank in points per game. Of course, we had a couple of issues there. Uh, most notably, Cooper Cup uh, suffering an injury that really put him out um, more or less after week nine. So you have Stafford going nearly half the year without him. If we look at how Stafford was performing prior to that, and then of course you also have um, Stafford getting injured in the back half of the year, but he actually was not playing very well. Um, between weeks one and 11 when he played, only had one QB, one Week, in fact, was just really ugly in the first four games of the season. Went 10.2 against Buffalo, 21.6 against Atlanta, just 12.7 against Arizona, just 11.3 against San Francisco. Um, so you could try to look at some things. I think Van Jefferson also missed missed significant time to try to explain this away. But uh, no, this is just one where where ADP got it wrong in terms of players that really outplayed where they were selected uh you do have justin fields finishing at six versus being drafted as qb 16 trevor lawrence finishing at seventh versus being drafted as qb 18 and and the final player probably worth calling out here is russell wilson going at eight finishing at 21 Drafters buying into that idea of getting a boost from landing in Denver, which we all know didn't work out. If you ask me if I think that things are going to be different this year with the change in coaching staff, I would not be holding my breath. And at this point in what I'm seeing in draft two, it does not look like there is a significant correction by drafters. He's probably going to finish somewhere around... Um, or he's probably going to be selected somewhere around where his points per game finish was last year. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him going between 17 to 22 
somewhere in that range. So that kind of covers what we saw with quarterbacks. Again, quarterback was the position that drafters struggled the most with in 2022. Do not see a strong correlation, even in this context, between where the top 24 quarterbacks were being selected and where they finished. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. If we look at running back, the thing that's going to stand out is how unfortunate it was for Jonathan Taylor. He was going as the first running back off the board, finishes at 16 from a positional rank. But the, the problem here is that he was going um, 1.17 overall. So though he did manage to finish as a stronger RB2, you used a first-round pick on him, and you just did not get what you were expecting, hoping you would. Um, I know a lot of people would view it almost as a disaster despite that finish. Just to put a little bit more context here as to what happened, uh, in terms of rushing attempts, he was only 24th among running backs, was only 22 among yards, 26th in targets. Uh, his expected points per game were at 8, which would have been good, but just supremely inefficient, coming in at 135 in fantasy points over expectation per game. Now, he finished number 2 in that metric in 2021 and was number 9 in 2020. What we see in the context of this Colts offense last year is without being efficient, 
Uh, he just was not able to keep it up. It was an RB1 in just 36% of games. Pretty safe to say that he was one of the biggest misses at the position. Uh, CMC was selected two, finished two. Eckler, three, finished one. Derrick Henry, four, finished four. So other players at the top managed to approximate what you were getting. Then we get to Najee Harris, who had a disparity of 15. He's going at RB5, finishes at RB20. Other notable misses, you have DeAndre Swift, who, man, his trajectory has just been down and down and down. Uh, you know, you could try to make the case for DeAndre Swift now, but if you're looking back retrospectively, just a player that has never been able to put things together in sustainable fashion to get him to where we would want him to be, stepping into Philadelphia this year. Curtis and I will talk at some point about what we think that means, but last year, one of the misses. Then Javante Williams gets hurt uh, early on another another miss. Beyond that, though, in the top 20 or, or the top 16 or so players, we don't see many other guys with large deltas um man james connor goes rb15 manages to finish rb10 uh travis etn 16 versus 24 Brees hall unfortunate that he had to finish the year early uh, but actually was outplaying his adp by 10 spots at rb7 cam Akers. Another big miss, 26 off, um, 18 versus 44, of course. We also have J.K. Dobbins disappointing, and then you got to talk about that Josh Jacobs finish, 22 versus 3. As a reminder of what Josh Jacobs did, and to help you think about what you might do with Josh Jacobs this year, Josh Jacobs in 2022 was number one in opportunity. He was two in rushing attempts, 11 in targets, number five in expected points per game. Went over 30 points three times, was an RB1 in 53% of games. In drafts this year, I'm seeing him at a fairly palpable spot um, going as a low-end RB1, which probably seems fair in light of what he did. Other big misses, you had Elijah Mitchell um, finishing th with a delta of 37. He was going at RB24. Of course, we know that the team bringing in Christian McCaffrey uh, definitely plays a role in this. That is coupled with the fact that Mitchell did miss significant time, so no surprise that we have that disparity there. Uh, if we take a look at wide receiver, trying to think about what happened, one of the first deltas that will stand out to you is Deontay Johnson. Like many things in Pittsburgh last year, uh, this did not go as people would have hoped. Curtis and I were pretty high on Deontay Johnson. That offense never really clicking. He really stands out here as a miss. Also, Allen Robinson went with that ADP of 21 people thinking that he could be revitalized, but we already talked about what happened with Matthew Stafford in the Rams offense last year. Just never really clicked, and we saw, unfortunately, 
that Allen Robinson's days as a significant fantasy contributor behind him. Of course, though, you know, starts his career in 2014, so he did have a good run, even if it has come to an end. Debo Samuel, if you were looking in the... Well, I'll just read down here quickly. So Cooper Cup was delivering, actually, when he was playing. He's followed by Justin Jefferson, who was going to finishes two. Uh, Jamar Chase, not a big delta. Adams, not a delta. Diggs, not a delta. CeeDee Lamb was spot on, uh, more or less. So drafters did good with the first six players. Debo Samuel was going at seven finishes at 22. We don't see any other major differences until we get down to DJ Moore, who is going 14 finishes 34. One of the interesting things that you find here, I think, as you look at that, or as you look at these results sometimes, is that players that there were significant questions around tended to fail to realize the finish that people were thinking that they could realize. And I think one thing that you're going to see here, and as you dig into numbers like this, it should be known, right? There's a risk-reward when you go for some of these players that look to have a lot of upside. Now, maybe DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson are the best examples of that. But my larger point here is you need to be thinking about this benefit-risk-reward relationship as you're drafting, and sometimes it's okay to take that on. Uh, other players with big deltas, Courtland Sutton went at 19, finished 46, and then Brandon Cooks selected 22 finishes 49, Darnell Mooney, Elijah Moore, other players that stand out. In terms of players that really beat where they were selected, you have Devonta Smith going with an ADP of 35, finishing at 14, and then Tyler Lockett and Christian Kirk, two other players, both going uh, 38 and 39. Lockett finishes at 17, Kirk at 24. So how actionable some of these results are, um, you can think about that for yourself. I think that what I'm looking to remind you of here is not so much the keys with specific players, but just some of the ways that ADP can tend to be wrong and that though it is pretty good at getting players filtered more or sorted more or less into the right bucket, we are going to have those misses. Uh, I also think it's it's useful to start thinking about, all right, this year, where is a player being selected at the end of the season? Where do I think this guy is going to be finished? Sometimes we can focus early on in the year, kind of carrying forward the pace that they were on at the end of the prior season. That's really not the way to go about it. Um, one of the things that we will talk about a lot when we are doing drafts and it's Sean and Curtis and Blair and myself is at the end of the year, what's our best guess of where this guy is going to feel like or, or not where he's no, where do we feel like this guy is going to be at the end of the year, right? Like if we remove that pace from last year and we really look at the player holistically and we think about the different scenarios that can play out, how often is this guy finishing towards the top of the list uh or 
is he finishing somewhere far off of where he's being drafted? And these are things that uh, are useful to think about as you contextualize a player in a given year. All right, so let's close here by looking at tight end. Now, tight end, as I mentioned, uh, arguably drafters did the best job with tight end of all the positions. Travis Kelsey, one and one. Uh, Mark Andrews, two versus four. Then we see Kyle Pitts, the big miss, three versus 22. And he is another example of one of those players where there's a lot of questions and sometimes it gets very hard to answer all of those questions. We knew that about him going in. He's a big miss. Other than him, we can continue all the way down to tight end 12 before we see a difference of more than five spots. Uh, with Cole Komet going at 12, finishing at 19. Of course, we did see a nice stretch for Cole Komet. Uh, I forget the exact stretch of the season. We will pull that up now. Yeah, weeks 9 and 10 was a tight end 1. Uh, so really, he was stronger in the back half of the year with some good performances. Uh, in fact, he was a tight end 1 or tight end 2 every week that he played after week 9. And then had one bye week in there in week 14 for Chicago. As we continue our way down the list, whew, Mike Gesicki goes... 13 heading into the year finishes at 32 of course his adp is drastically different this year with him in new england um no longer a player that i think people are going to be expecting they can use on a week-to-week -week basis as their tight end one or smith 14 versus 24 hunter henry 15 versus 30 albert o 18 versus 48 a lot of misses to the negative uh the players that did the best job of outperforming where they were expected to go. You had Njoku, 20 before this season, finishing at tight end 9. And then Evan Ingram uh, going at 21, finishing at 7. Okay. So, that is a bit of a roundup from 2022. Start thinking about which players you think are going to far outplay their ADP, at least what's out there now, or really miss the mark there. Feel free to shoot some of those over to us or guys that you think it's worth us running through on air. Uh, this is an exercise that Curtis and I will be thinking about routinely as we start getting ready for 2023. Anyway, appreciate you hanging out with me now. Curtis will be back tomorrow, and we will see you then. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. 
Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.